Here's a verse of scripture you're not likely to hear in the seeker-friendly churches. The Apostle John declared, Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know it's the last time. Well, as perhaps no other generation before us, we must diligently study the Bible's teachings about the pseudo-Christ, the Antichrist, who will be the world's final and most evil tyrant. Countless YouTube videos claim that certain individuals are the notorious final Antichrist, but they're putting the cart before the horse because his identity simply can't be revealed until after the rapture of the church, when the completed body of Messiah is snatched away by the Lord into the clouds. Then the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, the divine restraint will be removed. Paul said, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. So let's not presume anyone to know the identity of the Antichrist on this side of the rapture. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Dark. Some Christians claim they know at this point in time, before the rapture of the church, the identity of the Antichrist. In Psalm 19, David prayed, Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. And in 1 John 2.18, the Apostle John stated that Already there are many antichrists, that's antichrist with a little c in the world. But ultimately, John says there will be a final antichrist, the antichrist with a capital A. As the late Bible teacher Chuck Misler of blessed memory once observed, some teachers torture information to try to fit the end time puzzle. I'm looking for the imminent coming of Messiah, not the Antichrist. But because so many believers are claiming they already know his identity, this week I decided to take a fresh look at the subject. And the Holy Spirit has recorded much about the Antichrist. In fact, the Bible supplies a detailed biography of the one who will control the government of this world. The very first prophecy of the Bible in Genesis 3.15 mentions Messiah, the seed of the woman, but also referenced the future Antichrist, who was called the serpent's seed. The prophet Daniel described his character and career. According to Daniel 8.23, he will have a fierce countenance and will be a wizard with words, a genius, understanding, dark sentences. It's interesting that the Hebrew word translated dark sentences is rendered hard questions in 1 Kings 10 when the Queen of Sheba tested King Solomon's wisdom. But writing 2,500 years ago in Daniel 11:36, Daniel prophesied that Antichrist will 
arrogantly blaspheme God. Also pictured in Daniel 7, 8, Antichrist will boast and exalt himself above God. He won't restrict himself to only reviling the true God. He will exalt himself above all gods. The overall sense of scripture is that the Antichrist will disregard all traditional worship. Revelation 17 describes a monster of wickedness, a beast representing the Antichrist, who will turn against a harlot representing pagan religion. The beast will destroy the harlot to set himself up to be worshipped alone. This correlates with Revelation 13, 15, which reveals the Antichrist setting up an image of himself, demanding worship in the holy place. And this was also prophesied by Jesus himself in Matthew 24, 15 as the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel. Also, while Antichrist exalts himself above all gods in his lust for power, Daniel 11.38 reveals that he will nevertheless worship the god of fortresses, military might, and so he'll engage in military conquest to dominate the world. We learn about this fierce character in both the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament. In fact, John 5.43 is an extremely important reference. The Lord Jesus, Yeshua, spoke of the future Antichrist as the one who should come in his own name and who will tragically be received by Israel. Woefully, in that verse, Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name and you have not received me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will receive him. That's a very bitter verse because of my love for the Jewish people, for all that they've given to the church by preserving the Holy Scriptures. Nevertheless, Jesus came in his Father's name with his Father's power and credentials. Yet their minds were closed to him. But if another comes in his own name, seeking his own glory, and with no authority or power except his own or the devil's, tragically, Israel will receive him and give their approval for a season to an imposter. The Antichrist will be a supernaturally empowered Superman of whom the world even now is talking and seeking. For example, the former prime minister of Belgium, Paul-Henri Spack, nicknamed Mr. Europe, once said, what we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the people's allegiance and to lift us out of the economic morass into which we are sinking. Send us such a man, and be he God or devil, we will receive him. Whew. The Apostle Paul also gives us a description of the future Antichrist and his identity in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, where the sinister anti-Messiah is called that man of sin, the son of perdition, whose coming shall be after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Well, in the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, all the lines of prophecy concerning Antichrist converge in a man called the beast, who ultimately will be cast into the lake of fire together with his false prophet, there to be joined later by Satan himself, 
after the Lord's millennial rule of a thousand years. Now, you may find this strange, but some eschatologists believe that the Antichrist will be the devil incarnate in Judas Iscariot, who will be brought up from the bottomless pit. Some theologians believe he will fulfill the role of the final Antichrist because only Judas and the Antichrist are both referred to in Scripture with that ominous title, the son of perdition. I did some further research on this point, and in Revelation eleven seven, we have the first reference to the beast ascending out of the bottomless pit. Then, in Revelation seventeen eight, we're told four specific time statements concerning the Antichrist. It says, The beast which you saw once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and then go to its destruction. These four time references in this verse tell us that first the beast was on the earth. Second, now he is not on the earth. Thirdly, he shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, which agrees with Revelation eleven seven, And the fourth time reference is that he shall go into perdition. So in the book of Revelation, the Antichrist is seen coming out of the abyss, the bottomless pit, which is the place of lost souls. It's the place of their incarceration and torment. When Judas Iscariot committed suicide after he betrayed Jesus, Acts 1.25 informs us that he went to his own place. The Amplified Bible explains to his own place of evil. This significant expression, going to his own place, is a Hebraism used by ancient writers to denote going to one's eternal destiny. Thus, the Jewish Targum, describing the polluted prophet Balaam, said that he went to his own place and adds that his place was Gehenna, the place of torment. You see, the sinner makes his own damnation and he can't blame God for it. And so if the Antichrist is Judas, he will ascend out of the abyss, just as the scriptures state in Revelation eleven seven, and Revelation 17, 8. That might sound far-fetched if you're hearing this for the first time, that the Antichrist could possibly be the devil incarnate in Judas, the disciple who betrayed Jesus. But then we have to face the fact that in Revelation 17, 8 states, that the inhabitants of the earth will be astonished when they see the beast because it once was, now is not, and yet is. So we have at least to consider the possibility. The book of Revelation teaches that the Antichrist beast once lived on earth. Then he did not, yet will come up again out of the abyss. Therefore, according to Revelation the Antichrist has already appeared on earth and is currently being held in the abyss. The Antichrist will be indwelt by Satan. And interestingly enough, Luke 22.3 in the gospel states that Satan entered Judas. In 1 John 2.22, the apostle John declared that Antichrist will deny both the father and the son. As revealed in Revelation 13, 
the Antichrist ultimately will receive his power from Satan, who will seek to rule the world through the Antichrist beast in contrast to God the Father who purposes to rule the world through his son, Jesus, Yeshua. The Antichrist will at first pose as a friend and benefactor to the Jews, providing peace and safety, but later his true character will be revealed. He'll be a covenant breaker, as stated in Daniel 9:27. So in the tribulation period, Israel will be betrayed by the one masquerading as a friend. All in all, the character of the satanic antichrist can be summarized as a super arrogant man who will try to establish himself as God, seeking to rule the world strictly for his own glory. His M.O., his modus operandi will be to deride all known religion and proclaim a new order for the world with himself at its head. All who do not submit to him or take his damnable mark on their right hand or forehead will be crushed. Now, among the interpreters of the prophecies, there are three principal schools pertaining to the Antichrist. The first group have applied all the Antichrist prophecies to wicked individuals in the past. The second group claim these prophecies find their fulfillment in the Vatican's Pope as a usurper of Christ. While the third group believe the fulfillment of these terrible prophecies are yet to happen in the future. Bible commentator A.W. Pink in his book on the Antichrist wrote that he believes there's an element of truth in all the widely divergent views because many Bible prophecies, not only those pertaining to Antichrist, have at least a twofold and frequently a threefold fulfillment. These Bible prophecies have a local and immediate fulfillment. They may have a continual and gradual fulfillment, and they have a final and exhaustive fulfillment. However, the third school of interpreters is the most accurate because these theologians and eschatologists are correctly handling, dividing the word of truth by believing that the prophecies relating to the Antichrist have not yet received their final fulfillment and in fact cannot be fulfilled until this present day of salvation has run its course and the church age is concluded. Presently, the Holy Spirit restrains and prevents the final outworking of the mystery of iniquity. So, as we come closer to the very last days, interest in the identity of Antichrist is increasing. On YouTube, the subject of Antichrist is highly speculative and very sensational with loads of clickbait. But naming the Antichrist prior to the rapture is a classic case of deception arising from rejecting the clear teaching of Scripture and not properly dividing the word of truth as 2 Timothy 2.15 admonishes us to do. My friend, Pastor Derek Walker of the Oxford Bible Church, has noted that believers who do not adhere to pre-tribulational doctrine are most prone to the error of prematurely naming the Antichrist. You see, an understanding of dispensational truth is necessary when studying the Bible. The Antichrist will spearhead unparalleled wickedness after the body of Messiah, the Bride of Christ, has been removed off the scene. 
The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians 2, the mystery of iniquity is already at work. Only he who now restrains will hinder until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked one be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the breath of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deception of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why? Paul said they perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they might believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. The context here means that believing a lie will result in accepting the claims of Antichrist. Those who believe his claims will receive him as Jesus prophesied. And not only will they unfortunately receive him, they will also worship him. So says Revelation 13, 8. But all who do will be condemned. Consider the contrast. The Lord Jesus came down from heaven, whereas the Antichrist shall ascend up from the bottomless pit. The Lord Jesus came in his father's name. He emptied himself of his glory. He lived in absolute dependence upon God and refused to receive honor from men. But the son of perdition will come in his own name. He will embody all the pride of the devil, opposing and exalting himself, not only against the true God, but against everything that bears God's name. And his greatest craving will be to receive glory, honor, and worship from mankind. Now then, as an intercessor for Israel and the Jewish people all my life, it's very painful for me, as I said earlier, that the Bible clearly teaches the Antichrist will be received temporarily by the Jews. This is clear from the passage which I read earlier, where Jesus prophesied that he had come in his father's name and wasn't received. But if another comes in his own name, him, Israel, will receive the false messiah will be received by them. This is a fact of prophetic history we can't change. But thankfully, the deception will not last very long. We have to understand that this title, Antichrist, has a double meaning. It means one who shall be against and opposed to Christ, but it also means he will be a substitute, a fake Christ, a pseudo-Christ, posing as the real Messiah of Israel. He will pass himself off as the rightful claimant to all the honors of the Son of God. Think about this. When the true Messiah appeared on earth, Satan tempted him and offered him all the kingdoms of this world and the glory of them if Jesus would only fall down and worship Satan. And of course, Jesus, Yeshua, refused Satan's offer. But the same offer will be given to the false Messiah. And Revelation 13.2 reveals that the dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. Tragically, this satanically backed mock Christ will be received for a season. Tragically, the Jewish people will be temporarily deceived by him as their long expected Messiah. Even now, Messiah 
crown flags are flying in religious Jewish quarters, awaiting and beckoning for him to appear. But when the Antichrist sets up his abomination that makes desolate in the holy place, the Jews will understand his true character as yet another false messiah and usurper of God's glory. Those living in Judea will have to escape out of his clutches to another part of the Holy Land where God has prepared a place of refuge for them. The word of God indicates this refuge will be in Petra. It's highly interesting that the dominion of the Antichrist will be worldwide except for what? Except for modern day Jordan. Antichrist will somehow be prevented by God from taking over Bible lands that currently exist in the kingdom of Jordan. Listen to this prophecy in Daniel eleven forty one: He shall enter the glorious land, referring to Israel. Many countries will fall, but Edom, Moab, and the leaders of Ammon will be delivered from his hand. That's how the Jewish people will be safe in the mountain regions of Edom, Moab, and Ammon. Otherwise, the future man of sin will assert a universal supremacy because Revelation 13.3 prophesies that all the world wandered after the beast, giving allegiance to him. However, thankfully, the duration of Antichrist's control will be limited to 42 months. That's three and a half years. This time restriction, thankfully, is described in several scriptures such as Revelation 13, 5, which says, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given to him to continue 42 months. When we study the evil and the blasphemy of the Antichrist, it's important to cling to the Savior. The Lord Jesus is the righteous one. By contrast, the Antichrist is called the lawless one being a law unto himself. Jesus said in Hebrews 10, 9, Behold, I come to do thy will, O God. But Antichrist will do according to his own will. More than ever, it's important that the body of Messiah understand how the rapture must precede the revelation of the Antichrist. According to One Path Publishing, I was surprised to discover that up to 25% of Pastors are teaching their congregations that the rapture is not real. Yet 2 Peter 3, 4 informs us in advance that the specific heresy of the last days will be scoffers mocking the second coming of Jesus, saying that everything is just going to continue being the same. So where do we get the word rapture since it's not specifically seen in English Bibles? I mentioned this before, but it's important that you know it if you don't. The English word rapture refers to the Greek text herpazo, which is used 13 times in the Bible, meaning caught up by force or plucked up, pulled away. In 1 Thessalonians 4.17, herpazo is used to describe when our Lord Jesus physically returns in the clouds and catches us away from the earth to be with him. The English word harpoon derives from the same Greek word harpazo, meaning rapture. In John chapter 14, Jesus explained that he would return to transport his bride to his father's house. The Jews of his day understood the analogy Jesus was making. 
that believers are the bride and Messiah, and that after our betrothal, giving our lives to him, there's a period of time before the wedding feast, because as in Jesus's day, the bridegroom first left the bride to go build a place for her in his father's house. And in Jesus's case, that would be in heaven. According to the traditions of Jesus's day, the bridegroom's father tells the bridegroom when to go and fetch his bride. And that's why we must always be ready for the Lord's sudden appearing. No one knows the date of his return except the father in heaven. So in the meantime, we must keep ourselves as a pure bride awaiting the bridegroom's return. We have to be ready. And to deny the rapture, to scoff and say the return of Christ isn't going to happen is a deception. Many professing Christians no longer believe in the rapture and therefore they will not be ready when Jesus returns. They'll be like the foolish bridesmaids in Jesus's parable of the 10 virgins. Half of the bridesmaids in the parable were not ready and they were locked out of the wedding feast when the bridegroom returned to abduct his bride. Matthew 24 describes the rapture as a worldwide event because Jesus stated that on one side of the planet, when it's nighttime, believers will be snatched out of their beds, while on the other side of the world, during daylight hours, others will be raptured while working. Furthermore, in 1 Corinthians 15.52, Paul revealed the rapture as a mystery. He wrote that when Jesus returns for us, the dead and Messiah will be raised first, and then those who are alive will instantly be given new incorruptible bodies that will last forever. Paul also revealed in 1 Thessalonians 4, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, that's her potso, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Dear friend, my advice to you is don't be left behind. He will return. And so we must follow him now. Amen. Lord, we just want to say we're placing everything into your hands this week. We're asking you to watch over our family, friends, and ourselves through these troublesome times. Keep us strong. Keep us healthy. Bring us peace, passing all understanding bolster our immune systems as we're constantly surrounded by dangers. Protect every true believer within the sound of my voice in Jesus's name. Friends, I want you to know that this word of God is my fact checker. This is my standard and authority. The word says we must be born again. So let's not reject God's truth. The Gospel of John declares, as many as received him to them, he gave power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. In 1 John 1, the Apostle John wrote to us frankly. He said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. We're not going to do that. We're going to believe this word. Hallelujah.
Well, I really enjoy sharing your questions and comments on social media. I also invite you to visit our website at exploits.tv where you can click online to receive our weekly email and where you can watch all of our videos 24-7. Don't forget to download our free Jerusalem Channel app where you can also view our video library. And please subscribe to our Jerusalem Channel YouTube site and my Substack. Until next time, you know me, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Darg, Maranatha, and Shalom.